there's a spot that many people will reach where you get to that edge of the cliff and you're looking out and there's a high risk, high reward, but there there's a undoubtable risk that, hey, there, there might not be food on the table next month or whatever the case is that's running through the back of your mind. And when you hit that moment, you have the choice to either stuff that desire that's bigger down, stuff it down. And many people, they stuff that down for years and years. And I've talked to many people that are hitting their retirement age now, and they had that dream when they were 20 and they stuffed it down until they were 60 because that's what society told them to do. And uh, many people will hit that in, in many different aspects. It can be entrepreneurship, it can be many other modalities in life where you hit that point of tension and there's a comfort level that you're used to, but it's not fulfilling you. And you, you have to take that leap of faith at some point. Hello, and welcome to the Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Sholseth. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Agent Podcast. I'm here with my buddy, Brian, out of Wisconsin. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Raymond. Yeah, thanks for being here, buddy. Yeah. So why real estate? Yeah, so I, the whole process began back when I was probably 12, 13 years old, and I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And yes. that book, I mean, just fundamentally changed changed my mindset and how I looked at the world. And from that moment forward, I had this idea of creating financial freedom through real estate. And honestly, not many 13-year-olds have that vision, but I, I had that vision from a young age. I'm very thankful that I was brought up in the household I was and given those books um, from a young age to be able to steward and create a mindset that brought me to where I am today. It started a little differently than where it is ending up today and will likely continue to grow. That's that's how the whole process unfolds is it, it's continually reevaluating that vision and, and reshaping it. But that book created the initial idea of financial freedom through real estate. And that's the direction that I'm going today. Who gave you that book? My dad. My dad actually had uh, a couple personal development books on his uh, on his work bookshelf. So it started off with Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was probably the easiest one to pick up as as a as a preteen um, and and young going into that adolescent stage. Um, just because the way it's written, it's it's written that anyone middle school and above can really pick up the content, and that's how that whole Rich Dad uh, philosophy behind the whole series of books that I ended up going into and reading is. It's for someone who has never looked at personal finance, never looked at real estate or really business in general. And just changing that 30,000 foot view on how you out, outlook on life, rather than working for dollars, uh, trading time for dollars, it's how, to, how do you create a system to bring that cash flow in? And then where do you park that money when it comes in? Um, and just a different way to think about life and so from that young age, I, I had shifted my mindset. I, at that point in time, I started selling protein shakes by the scoop after gym class. And I'm just like, how do I, how do, I do this? And um, that's when that process started unfolding and, uh, and started just digging deeper every single day. Are your parents uh, entrepreneurs? Do they own their own business or what do they do? 
Uh, small, small scale. So my my parents uh, both were in the nine to five world. Uh, my dad does a lot of say, or he does. They're both retired now, um, and just doing their own personal real estate portfolios. Um, so they have a handful of uh, rentals. Um, they have single family rentals in kind of their small town area that they're located. Five or six rentals, and uh, just managing that at this point and and growing that a little bit, but. Um, uh, they were never uh, fully entrepreneurial, like jump out of the jump out of the the nine to five and and go the full route. Um, they were entrepreneurial minded, um, but I, I see them more as intrapreneurs. So it's a, a where they they step into that that maybe corporate role and they have that mindset of an entrepreneur. Um, however, they were never outside of that scaffolding of the big corporation, um, and that that was just the route they went uh, and were able to be very successful in that. Give give uh, give our family a really good standard of living, and it also allowed me to have some of those insights, but also see what that path looks like if I don't take some of these risks at a young age that I was feeling called on the inside to to take. When I was running a gym, I was a manager of a of a gym location. Had a team of five or six uh, employees that were under me, um, top performing club in the region, and I was in a very comfortable spot. And a lot of people that I know have hit this point where they're in a really comfortable spot, but they have this internal fire for for stepping out into the unknown. And a lot of people get stuck in that comfort and. Uh, I found in my process that when you get into that that moment of of comfort where it feels very difficult to step out in, in a level of faith, trust, and and then take your action to the 10x level and be able to have have that growth and and be able to trust in the process. Entrepreneurship is a roller coaster, no matter what capacity you step into the in into the shoes. And so there's there's a spot that many people will reach where you get to that edge of the cliff and you're looking out and there's a high risk, high reward, but there, there's a undoubtable risk that, hey, there, there might not be food on the table next month or whatever the case is that's running through the back of your mind. And when you hit that moment, you have the choice to either stuff that desire that's bigger down, stuff it down. And many people, you, they get, they, they stuff that down for years and years. And you talk to, I've talked to many people that are hitting their retirement age now, and they had that dream when they were 20 and they stuffed it down until they were 60, because that's what society told them to do. And uh, many people will hit that in, in many different aspects. It can be entrepreneurship. It can be many other modalities in life where you hit that point of tension and there's a comfort level that you're used to, but it's not fulfilling you. And you, you have to take that leap of faith at some point. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that edge. I mean, I'm definitely the guy who looks at the edge and jumps off and builds the plane or the parachute on yes. the way down. What an incredible influence, though, for you to be able to be given that by your parents or, you know, mm. taking it off the mm -hmm. shelf, however it happened yeah, yeah. and dive into that and really have the sense of awareness and yes. the mindset to open up and say like, Hey, there's a different way, or I have these options that aren't publicly available and to take that and run with it. Okay. So you got that, that started to develop your mindset. How did you grow that over time mm. to the decision to, Hey, I'm going to focus on real estate full time. 
Yes. It came in ebbs and flows. It, it was not a, I made a decision at 13, I got my license at 18, and here I am today. That's not how the process unfolded. Uh, there was a, a big growth pattern in that, in that adolescent stage uh, where I was reading some new books. Um, I wasn't at the level of content and, and self-development that I am today, but I was, I was picking up more and more books. I read Napoleon Hill. I read um, a few other uh, key uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I started reading some of those really big prominent books through my high school uh, career because I was not I was not the classroom guy. I hated hated the classroom um, and really saw no application to many of the things I was learning. And I'm like, I'm spending so much time in this and I, I'm not picking anything up, but I can pick up this book and I get this spark of an idea to go pick up a, a, a 20 pound tub of protein and start selling it by the scoop after gym class. And those ideas of creating money out of nothing really got the blood circulating through my system. And so I was I was the kid that was day trading at lunch on the school computer lab and stuff like that. I was in watching stocks and like just very interested in the whole thing. But then once I graduate, when I hit that 18, uh, 18 year old or 17, 18, 19, um, I hit this point where there were a lot of pr external pressures from, from the world, from family, from everything of, oh, go to, go to school, get your four-year degree. Um, you're a very bright-minded individual. Yeah, you, maybe you don't like the classroom, but it's a good fallback. And so I, there was all this pressure outside. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go this route and kind of dampened and stuffed all that down for a short time. Being in that school environment and not having the desire to want to consume that content rubbed off on how I was approaching my self-development too. It, it put me in this dark space of, of depression, not knowing what my, what my calling was going to be, what my purpose was. And because I wasn't reading some of those books that I had been reading at an earlier stage in my life, I wasn't getting those new sparks of ideas and wasn't implementing those ideas in my life. So there was a season of two years where I was in school uh, in university and kind of stuffed that down, didn't really do anything. And it, it more or less paused my development. I, I wasn't growing in that season. And I, I stepped out, dropped out of school, Got a really cool opportunity to travel the country. I was doing a job called, uh, it's professional timber sports. So I was a professional lumberjack traveling the country for a couple of years with the steel pro team. And it was a very passion filled endeavor. I was, it was a thing I had done alongside my self-development through high school um, and gave me an opportunity to get out of the, out of the school environment, out of the university setting. I had long drives that I sometimes I would I would fly or I would drive, but I'd sometimes drive out to like Colorado for a show from Wisconsin. So I have a 22 hour drive. I'm not going to listen to the same same uh, music the entire drive. Get out there and do that. It's, it's just not I would get bored with it. And so in that season, I picked up the habit of listening to podcasts. First, it would start with I'd listen to one podcast, so maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and then I'd listen to music the rest of the drive. 
then that over time started developing to, oh, I, I picked up an idea in, in this podcast. I picked up an idea in this podcast. Well, what about audiobooks? Can we listen to that? And over the span of months, I started picking up more and more. And I, I reinvigorated that, that fire I had as a 13, 14, 15-year-old that was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and reading Napoleon Hill. And it reiterated that importance of investing in yourself first. I went back, read that Rich Dad series, and the third book in the series really talks about it's the guide to investing. And first and foremost, the most important thing you can invest in is yourself. And I then took that idea, started listening to or buying, actually buying pretty substantial programs. So I bought uh, Cardone University by Grant Cardone. I bought all of these programs and started just pouring time into it because I had the time. I had a pretty comfortable job that I was doing what I liked, but I was working an hour a day and making enough to get by uh, pretty easily. And so I was in a pretty comfortable spot. So I started putting all this time into content and just getting these ideas, reinvigorating that idea of, of real estate or business or how am I going to do this? Because I have all this free time. I'm doing what I like right now. But then I hit a season of all of that was taken away. I had a pretty bad uh, injury. I broke my back doing timber sports, broke my back, I uh, had a child and then, um, so my daughter, uh, who's now five years old, she came into my life and I did not want to be in a season of like jet setting around the country and not spending time with her. And so a few different circumstances all came up in the span of like two months. And I made a decision, hey, this timber sports thing is not the route I need to be going right now. I need to, I need to get stability. I need to get a, a home base. So that's where I, I started my real estate investing career. My first property I got into real estate with, I bought, I had been listening to Bigger Pockets, Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, and this was kind of in the earlier stages of that podcast. It's now a huge podcast. Yep. Yes, Beardy Brandon. This was before Brandon was even on the on the podcast. I, I picked up the idea of house hacking. And I said, I'm a college dropout, single father right now. I'm not in a very uh, affluent financial position because my livelihood was just taken away from me um, because of the injury. And so I, I was able to secure a job that could get me qualified for an owner occupancy loan. And I said, this is this is how the cards are right now. How are we gonna how are we gonna use these cards to, to the best advantage? And so I said, well, I can get in and buy this duplex that's under market value and I can pick this duplex up with $6,000 out of my pocket. So that's where my real estate investing career started. I got a duplex and that kind of steamrolled the whole engine uh, to, to start developing where I'm at today. Okay. So like you, we just covered a lot, right? Mm. So let's unpack some of this. Let's unpack let's go it. From, let's unpack. Yeah. Let's go from this 13-year-old dude reading yes. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, who found his authentic self and started to mm. develop that to basically that by society's rules being taken yes. away and stripped of this identity, getting into a dark place only to suffer mm. until mm -hmm. you realize that you needed to get back yes. to your authentic self. like. That two years, three years, whatever it was of being in this dark place, like how did you, how did you cope? How did you push yes. through? How did you, how did you live? Mm. 
Mm. Yes. So many people, they, they, I, so I found myself in a really dark place there. I was, when I went to university, I, I, I had friends, I was social, but there was still that, that, uh, I, as I said before, that purpose that that fire had had been dampened. It was it was just embers and coals at this point, and it wasn't something I was pumping oxygen into. It was just coals and stagnant air around it, and so that put me in a really dark place uh, for for a while. And um, in that dark place, I began finding a a spiritual side to my my personality. Before that, I had never uh, looked at looked at spirituality, looked at religion, looked at anything like that. But in that dark season where at one point in time, it, it the, the thoughts of suicide were even coming up. And like many people don't want to recognize when they when they hit those places that are dark, they don't reach out, they don't share, they, they just kind of stuff it in. And that's when that can fester. But in that season, I began I began looking for solutions for that first. So I didn't start looking at podcasts for the finances. I didn't start looking at podcasts for the get rich lifestyle. I started looking at podcasts to help find that peace, to help find that, 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 uh, that cure, the cure to anxiety or whatever. Um, I, I was just searching at that point for something because I knew this is not, this is not uh, sustainable. I'm, I'm in sitting here crying, like bawling my eyes out on my bathroom floor because there's like, I, I feel no purpose in life. Like I'm just this, just this kid. And that was really hard. And in that season, then I began finding. Uh, I found I found a lot of peace being outside. So I started going on long hikes. I started getting up. I, I was blessed to have state parks kind of all around the city I was at, and so I could go up in the bluffs and and go meditate. And so I would just sit out there and just kind of breathe. And that that time out there, uh, I then started getting back in connection with that, that voice that would give me those ideas when I was 13, 14, 15. And I would get this thought in my mind to, to do this, I would take action, and it would it would come to fruition. I, I spent that time out in the mountains, or not the mountains, in the bluffs, and um, then started putting in practices and realizing there's so much in the world that A, I don't know right now, B, that isn't being taught to me in high school, in college. There, no one's talking about this. We're talking about history of America and like this ship's name and all, all the stuff that I, and then bio, deep, deep diving into chemistry and biology. And I'm like, uh, my mind isn't, I'm not interested in these topics. Yes, a general knowledge is important um, just to be an educated individual um, and be holistic in your education. But these aren't the topics that I'm interested in diving into. I'm interested in diving into how do I have a well-balanced life? How do I run my finances and steward my wealth uh, effectively? How do I have bigger impact in the world? And so that process started by listening to people like Tom Bilyeu on impact theory and uh, listening to like the, yes, huge, huge fan myself. And uh, so listening to just different, different 
people different from different walks of life that I was not exposed to in the setting I was in. And so using the, the capabilities of the internet, getting on my phone and being able to be in touch with all of these people, you can use it for your positive or you can use it for the negative. For the longest time I was sitting on Instagram or on Facebook and I was just comparing my life to the highlight reel of everyone else's life. It got me into that really dark spot. I shifted that mentality and I started using it for my advantage. I started seeking out uh, relationships. I started seeking out content that could point me in the right direction. And maybe, maybe I only take one gold nugget from that hour and a half, but that one gold nugget, if I implement that and use, uh, use it in tandem with the other gold nuggets that I'm learning, my, my quality of life is going to slowly improve and I can continue to mold and shape that, that ideal life over the span of, of my entire life. I love that. Okay. We could go super deep into all of this stuff, mm. but uh, let's, let's talk about your real estate career. A little yes. bit. You're yes. about two years into this game. Mm -hmm. You've closed well over 50 transactions. Yes. Tell us about your first year in the business. Mm. So this, this started a couple years after I had gotten that, uh, gotten that duplex, me and my, my partner at the time, my, my relationship, my, my girlfriend at the time, she had started getting into investing in real estate too. So I was helping out with her five plex, um, her parents, they had a, a large portfolio of real estate too. Um, so I got to, got to see how the, operation on what my vision was and what it had been to that point if i had continued to grow it what that what that growing pain would look like and i saw a mom and pop operation that there were toilets being changed nights and weekends and calls getting uh, the police are at the at the building you got to go out to the property at 2 a.m. or whatever it is and i saw all those those issues that I didn't factor into the original equation when I'm sitting there thinking I'm going to get I'm going to get 10 single family houses and I'm going to retire on the beach. Um, I didn't factor that into the equation and I was confronted with, OK, this is going to be the reality of it. So I found myself in a comfortable position in my nine to five job. I was a club manager of a gym and I was getting commission and salary and I wasn't being fulfilled in that. Meanwhile, I'm deep diving on my self-development. I'm reading a book at least every week. Um, I'm digging in, I'm developing my library, developing my, uh, my audiobook portfolio. I'm listening to podcasts just on a crazy basis. I'm sending my my boss podcasts during work like, hey, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. And that fire was was coming back, but I was, I was I hit a capacity. I wasn't able to continue to grow in the seat I found myself in. And that was that was frustrating. Um, I would work really, really, really hard for an entire month and my paycheck would bump up. 400 bucks. And then I'd get frustrated. I'd take a back seat. I'd let everything kind of slip and coast. And my paycheck would only go four, $400 down. There wasn't big variance. And I thought, well, this isn't, this isn't motivating for me. I like that, that standing on the edge of the cliff and taking a leap of faith. And that comes from that, that upbringing in timber sports, where it's a very dangerous, uh, dangerous adrenaline filled sport. Um, and so I've always had that mindset of, of being a little bit more on the thrill-seeking side. And so at one point in time, it basically came to an ultimatum where my boss uh, or the HR department said, hey, we, we totally appreciate that you have this passion 
um, that you're you're putting things in in framework for, but we feel that it's going to be um, at odds and uh, not not going to be a synergistic relationship between your position you have today and the thing you want to be doing. So we we want you to either stop going down this route of getting your real estate license, or we want you to uh, yeah we want you to stop that, or we want you to leave and. Uh, you have until three o'clock today to make that decision. And that was a very abrupt decision. Not many, I, I had been wallowing on this for, for weeks at the time. And then it basically came to that ultimatum decision. And I said, all right, today's the day I jump. And I jumped in, got my, finished getting my license about a week later and signed on with a broker. Signed on with a reputable broker in my area. It was a Coldwell banker, well-known in the marketplace I was in. Uh, and so I got in and really didn't know, know one thing from another. I, I had my knowledge uh, and a pretty good knowledge from my personal experience in, in the investing side and seeing that sort of thing and had, had an investor mindset that I was able to bring that differentiated me from many other agents that just get their license and maybe hadn't had that experience. Uh, however, I worked for then six yeah, I, I had six months of, of working before I actually got my first commission check. So I, I was showing up, putting in 40 hours a week, and just nothing was coming to fruition. I'm sitting there dialing for dollars. Um, I'm calling prospects. I'm potentially even going out on appointments in the in at this point the dead of winter. So it's like ten degrees out. I'm going through three feet of snow to get up to the front door. Can't get the door open because it's not shoveled. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like I haven't gotten paid. I'm spending money driving to all these houses. Finally, I get my first first deal under my belt. It was a four thousand dollar lot that I had been that I had listed, um, and the reason I had gotten that listing was it was a friend of mine who sold me one of my other homes. Uh, I had when I was not licensed. He was the agent I was working with. He kind of was in my ear. Hey, I think you'd be really good at at being a realtor. I think you'd be interested and, and I think you could really succeed in this field. Um, and he was kind of in my ear all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a pretty good spot right now. And never gave it a consideration until that leap of faith. I had gotten that listing because it was up in my market area about 45 minutes from where he was. He's like, this just expired. I got, they're going to relist it with me. I don't even want to deal with that. You, you, here's three, here's three vacant lots that are up by you. You can get your name on Zillow and get, get your foot in the door. So right away from day one, I had those three listings, but it was vacant land and the one was listed at $4,000. Um, so it wasn't much, but I was able to find a buyer after a few months of just just working it, working it. My first deal closed was that $4,000 lot where I had both sides. And that's when the moment clicked in my mind. And I said, hey, I can actually do this. There was that limiting belief before that point of, I don't, I'm not an agent. I don't have any closings yet. And that was just running in my mind and probably played a part in limiting me before that. But once that first closing happened, Within about a month, I had had about four closings. So it was boom, boom, boom. Things started falling into place. And uh, from, that, from that March until the following March, I had closed about 45 transactions. Um, and I'm now currently well over, yeah, well over 50 transactions. I mean, that's amazing. What a great story. 
your mindset, you, I mean, you've cultivated it from a young age and it sounds like mm-hmm. you had some great support to do that. Mm-hmm. And you're very growth oriented, you know, yes. growth, growth minded in the mm-hmm. sense of, I want to know more. I want to do yes. better. How do I get to that next version of me? What does that look like? That, that fuel. So now you're two years in, you're mm-hmm. still crushing deals, getting that done. Do you still have that same fire? Mm. The fire shifted. The fire shifted to having a bigger impact on not just the local residential market that I find myself in, but being able to help overcome those obstacles for other agents now too. Um, and that's where my, my mentality has shifted. After that first year, I was putting in 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and I was still struggling in that, in that season. I was struggling in the sense of I was working very hard. I was investing in my business, but the back-end payout was not covering what I needed it to cover. And I was still struggling and kind of in that, okay, I need the next deal. I need the next deal. And in this rat race and, and hamster wheel of transactions. And I then saw some of these agents that were in my firm at that point who had been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years, and they they had loads of credit. They were taking out loans just to be able to pay the bills. They were, they were high volume and successful in the eyes of the traditional marketplace. Um, however, they were barely able to keep, keep things afloat. And if they, if they had one incident that, that caused them to step back for a month or two months, they'd be, they'd be underwater in their business. And I saw this and saw all these agents that were around me, uh, I was able to quickly get up to their level of production. And they, they were, they were running around like chickens with their head cut off too, even though, even though they had three agent, three buyers agents underneath them and they're, they're making things happen. I then I I saw, saw it for what it was. And so I then looked at, uh, I looked at how much I had been paying my broker. I, I wasn't even something I was looking at uh, up until this point, I just wanted to get successful in the eyes of the marketplace. And I got to the end of that first year with that broker and I paid them nearly $100,000 to work for them. And I had produced about $140,000 worth of worth of gross commission income. So after all of that, so I paid about uh, about that $100,000, just a little bit under that. And I walked away with uh, about $60,000 in commission by producing $140,000 of gross commission income. And I'm like, this is this is not a sustainable model. Uh, having so much bloat in the system it, to, to, to pay this person, this person, this person, this person before I get paid myself. And I'm the one out there doing the work. And so that that had a big shift in my, my uh, mentality. And I was thinking, how the heck do I how the heck do I get rid of that that bloat? That's what caused me to switch to my new brokerage that I'm at. And it's, which is that I'm at EXP Realty now. So I've been at EXP Realty for about nine months and uh, have have really focused uh, this first first nine months on reestablishing the systems in my business to make sure that I have that steady level of production um, on a monthly basis to provide for my needs. Um, but now the shift is, it's shifting to, I've been able to build and sustain this uh, this income that most agents 
are are unable to even build. Most agents, the average agent in the U.S. is at, I think it's four and a half transactions a year. And uh, there are part-time agents, there are things to consider in that number, but for the most part, a lot of agents are are doing a handful of transactions a year and struggling and possibly have to take a part-time job or uh, or possibly work a full-time job because they don't have that that level of confidence to step out into the 100% commission on a full-time basis. And so I've shifted my focus to uh, to help inspire other agents that are, are in the marketplace, that are struggling, that are finding themselves in a similar position to that I found myself working really hard and just not seeing the fruits of that labor uh, to the extent that they deserve to be. And so that's where my fire is is now shifting, is to, to helping enable those agents to, to succeed and, and provide for their families. I love that. That's, that's great to be able to make that impact and give back and you know, mm. share your mm-hmm. wins. Yes, yes. So there was a post. My notes are over here. I'm going to read it verbatim, copied Mm. from your Facebook page on September 1, okay? Okay. I think the headline was, 2021 real estate is changing. Mm. Okay, then it goes on. The individual agent, team leader, and local broker is now able to create financial freedom on a big, capital B-I-G, level. Agents, I appreciate your love, quote unquote, for your office culture, So do I. However, I partner with a firm that has a mission to make me financially independent from them. Uh, I don't just get a plaque for my performance. They provide uh, agents equity, revenue share, and worldwide collaborative office culture, right? Yes. What other company has a local team leader hosting a mastermind event, getting Tony Robbins to do his first speaking ever since COVID, Um, other national affiliations? Like, this post I just thought was beautifully written and, mm-hmm. you know, for everyone listening, obviously yeah. you're talking about EXP, right? Yes. Because you're yes. part of that organization. But I think the mindset, you know, there's this somewhat stigma about EXP being, oh, you're not a realtor anymore. Now you're a mm-hmm. recruiter, right? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of smart ass yeah. comment for lack yeah. of a better term. Mm-hmm. But with your example of Coldwell Banker being at like whatever 50 plus percentage of taking mm-hmm. your you know gross commission yeah. income versus EXP it's literally life changing life changing and from a financial uh, and even mental perspective because the drive behind that is so different yes yes it's it's game changing and and without even factoring in the revenue share component of the EXP model that traditionally is the point in which people get tripped up without even factoring that in uh it's it's undoubtedly the best opportunity in real estate right now it's it's the amazon or the netflix of of real estate and the reason they're able to do that um and and the impact it's had on my life one of my other posts right around that time was the the amount of debt that I was able to pay off when I was at Coldwell Banker to be able to fund purchasing purchasing leads, uh, buyer leads to, to get my business started, to invest in the systems, to invest in signs, to do all of that. I had to take out loans. I, I, I quit my job on a, on a one-day notice because I was forced to, and I did not have the reserves. I was just kind of coasting down to zero, and I, I didn't have the wherewithal to be able to invest in my business without borrowing. 
And what switching over to the EXP model allowed me to do was it took that, that bloat in the system and it allowed me to spend that money on what was important to me. And what was important to me in this last season was paying off all of that personal debt, getting debt free within the span of nine months from switching from one brokerage to the other brokerage. Now, on top of just paying off all that debt because of the, the expenses I saved um, in my commissions and just getting more of my commission coming to me, I've been able to establish about $7,000 worth of equity in eXp. So I, when I was working at Coldwell Banker, I, I left there. I did not have a single penny of equity in that firm. It was 100% the, the broker owner, franchise owner that was there. And over the span of 10, 15 years, there may have been an opportunity that presented that I could get equity in that local franchise, but it's not liquid like it is at eXp. eXp, it's, it's a NASDAQ traded stock that I can, if I want to, I, and there's there are plenty of agent examples uh, that I'm able to uh, call on that they they work for three years, four years, they build up a uh, hundred, two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars in this company stock, and it's just on the side. It's on top of that commission you're getting, and they're able to say, oh, they they open up their their uh, their stock their stock account through EXP, and they say, I have two hundred fifty thousand dollars here, and I was planning on buying a house. Let's put this additional two hundred fifty thousand dollars down and and take out a significantly less mortgage. Um, let's let's reallocate some of these funds that I got on the side. Uh, rather than just getting a plaque at the end of the year for being a top performer, you can get a $16,000 company stock bonus at eXp. And that's completely refunding that 20% that's going to the firm. And so you look at the end of the, the year and you're only paying a potentially paying a couple thousand dollars to your broker uh, to, to operate your business. And it's, it's completely game-changing when you're on a digital platform like this. However, there's, there's plenty of examples where these, these firms still see, or the, these team leaders still see a value in a local presence. And they choose to just invest some of that, uh, some of those cost savings into a local office and they run their team from a local office. If you're in a large metro area, you get a Regis membership and you can go to these co-work spaces. Um, there's lots of options there. And the, just, just looking at the model itself, it, the the biggest struggle for a new agent that I found uh, is just learning the ropes, learning how to establish your business. When you graduate from real estate school and you get your your realtor or your real estate salesperson's license, uh, many people think that's going to actually train you to run a, a efficient and profitable business. That, that part of it is important. It teaches you the law aspect of real estate and, and a law aspect at a, at a very basic level, just to be able to do real estate transactions and understand the forms, but it doesn't teach you how to build a business. And so agents get their license, they get into an office and they, they park themselves at a computer and have an expectation that clients are going to walk in the door. Maybe they go and they ask the top performing agent in their local office. They're probably running around with the, like a chicken with their head cut off because they're trying to put food on the table for their family and have a lot of those fees in their, in their compensation plan that cause them to think, hey, why would I want to build up this agent in my office who is going to be going on the same listing consultation I might be going on 
two, three months from now, they're, they're a competing agent. Why would that, that's competition. There's no incentive for me to help them out. And so it creates this dynamic in offices where the broker is moderating and mediating all of these competing businesses within that local franchise. At EXP, I'm part of an organization of about 7,000 nationwide. I mean, at EXP, we have over 60,000 agents, but within, within EXP, there are upline organizations. And I plugged in based on the person who brought me on to EXP. I plugged into that organization within EXP. And I, I have collaboratively 4,000 agents that I'm, I'm regularly interacting with on Facebook, on Workplace, on Zoom, and probably a tight knit of 40 to 50 agents that I'm talking with on a weekly basis, talking about best practices, what's happening in your marketplace. Oh, I have a buyer that's moving out to California, and Sally just happens to be an agent where they're looking. Let's let's get you guys connected and create referral opportunities to increase both of our businesses, rather than going on Zillow and looking who's a top agent in this marketplace, maybe being able to get in contact with them and having no relationship this is opening up the door for, for nationwide and global referral opportunities being one brokerage and having that network of communication and collaboration. I love that. We've covered all sorts of fun stuff here. Buddy. <laughs> We're all over the place today. Yeah, we are all over the place and that's okay. Um, yes. I do want to be conscious of your time. One of the questions I like to ask is, what is one thing, if, if our audience listening can take one thing away from this conversation, what do you want to pay for to them? Like, what is a gift you would like to give somebody? Invest in yourself, even if it's a little scary. I've been on calls with with business coaches, where um, or or on a on a call with a, a program or whatever that 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 tangible thing is that I'm investing in to to get some uh, knowledge or wisdom from. I've been on on calls where it's such a daunting number that I didn't even I wasn't even fathoming. Um, and I, I sit there and I make the, I take the risk. I make the investment and the, the payoff is is 10x, 100x what you actually invest in that. So if you're if you're I, there was a point in time where I was struggling to justify making an audible paying for an audible subscription for 12 bucks a month or 16 bucks a month or whatever it is and that was that was a point of pressure for me do do I do I really need to do that then I graduated and I, I started looking at other opportunities where you're not only getting knowledge, but you're getting a connection with, with like-minded individuals. Maybe you're going to an event and the ticket price is 500, 1,000, 3,000. And th- as you grow, you start, getting, you start getting daunted and everyone's gonna hit a point where it's like, that's a, that's a lot of money. And I, I think it's t- it's important to have discernment when you're when you're looking at these at these education opportunities at this at this investment. But at the end of the day, that investment is going to either teach you something uh, very valuable that's going to be able to get you well more than than what you invest in it, 
or it's going to be a good learning opportunity. And it's going to say, it's going to in that discernment factor and say, hey, maybe, maybe next time I need to do a little bit more due diligence on this product ahead of time before I make the investment. But at the end of the day, you're going to learn a lesson from it. And so you shouldn't let those, those dollar signs, those zeros, whatever it is, hold you back from making that investment. Um, the, the best thing I've, I've ever done is making that investment in myself first to be able to have a wide array of, of knowledge and wisdom picked up from other people through their learned lessons. And I can take that. Maybe I have the expectation of as I'm consuming content, I'm only going to retain about 10% of, of what I'm taking in. And so one that makes me go back and reconsume the content over and over and over. Rich Dad Poor Dad is a book I read on an annual basis. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a book I read on an annual basis, if not semi-annually. Brandon Burchard's High Performance Habits, book I read on every, every single year. And I go back to all of these investments. Um, Grant Cardone is someone I've been following for about five or six years. I continually go back in and, and reconsume the content because I recognize I'm in one place in time when, I've, when I first purchased that product. I take away one lesson, I apply it, I get growth. I revisit that same piece three years later, five years later, one year later, I'm in a completely different place and I'm going to take away a different gold nugget. And if I go back 10 times, there's a good chance I might know 50% of the content. But then I, I continually go back and I continually look for deeper, deeper insight. To what can what can be taken away? And you're never gonna, you're never gonna run out of opportunity in some of these resources, especially those higher ticket. Uh, resources where it might be um, it might be hundreds of hours of content that you can dig into, and uh, many people they they invest and they 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 think it's going to magically come to fruition. No, you're it's going to take effort on your part. You're going to have to sit down and read the book and then take notes and then apply it. But the best investment is in yourself first and foremost. And so when you see something that has an extra zero than you were anticipating. If you're comfortable with $10 books and you, you reach out to a $100 program, don't let that be the thing that holds you back. Take the risk, learn the lesson, and grow from the opportunity. I love that. I think it's uh, Jim Rohn that has a quote that says and some, something to the effect of, if you invest in education, you'll make a living. If you invest in yourself, you'll make a fortune. Mm, yes. It's just so true. Man, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to reach out, if they have a referral? Yeah, yeah definitely. On Facebook, Brian Stearns. Um, on Instagram, those are probably my two biggest uh, and most active platforms that I'm involved in. Uh, and and very likely in the near future, there will be updates on, uh, on, on, I'm branching out and likely going to be doing a podcast here talking about some of the ideas that I have running through my mind and sharing some of the lessons, some of the, some of the resources that I've consumed and uh, those big takeaways to be able to share um, possibly on a more condensed version some of those lessons. And so there'll be, there'll be updates on social media for that. I love it. Brian, thanks so much, man. This has been amazing. I appreciate you opening up and sharing. Mm. Thank you for having me, Raymond. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>